There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. Derek Peterson here with you guys once again. Greg Smith joining me this week. Greg, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am, uh, my sinuses, my, my uh, immune system has betrayed me a little bit, so I sound a little like crap, but we're going to try to power through this. That's okay. You, you, you got this. You're, you're a tough guy, right? So we have a, we have a bright and early 6 a.m. flight Friday morning, so that will, uh, that's fun. Exactly what, uh, the doctor calls for when you've got an immune system issue. Right. So, um, we, but we do have plenty to talk about because, <laughs> Uh, Nebraska has a pretty big football game this weekend, and there is some recruiting news that we can talk about. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, and a couple things have transpired in the last 24 hours uh, that we can talk about. Um, we will have Colin Gay, the sports editor from The Lantern, covers the Ohio State Buckeyes football team. Uh, we'll have him on the podcast in a little bit to talk about the Buckeyes and preview Saturday's game. He joined us uh, back in the summertime to, to talk about the spring game. So we will talk about that. But first, Greg, let's talk about recruiting. Nebraska picked up a commit from a Nebraska legacy kid, Javin Wright, uh, earlier this week. Nebraska thought it was getting a commit from four-star athlete Wando Robinson and then had a last-second change of heart, uh, felt he could be uh, of better service to Kentucky and that his skill set would fit in better with Kentucky, decided to commit to that, decided to commit to Kentucky over Nebraska. So let's just talk about the momentum that Nebraska had heading into Thursday before the Wando Robinson announcement and whether or not you feel like they still have momentum on the recruiting trail. Yeah, so, I mean, you have to go back to, it feels like this was months ago that this happened, but it was just a week ago, just seven days ago, uh, when four-star athlete Darian Chase committed to Nebraska um, last Thursday. Um, he'll be playing wide receiver at Nebraska, and then on Sunday night, um, you had four-star offensive tackle Bryce Binhart uh, commit to Nebraska, who was their top target, left on the board, extreme um, important position on the offensive line, especially the offensive tackle up out of Minnesota, um, beat out Michigan and Wisconsin to get him. So that, that's always nice to keep guys, big-time guys like that away from Big Ten foes. And then, like you mentioned, you had Javen Wright uh, commit yesterday on Halloween, legacy recruit, um, coming to continue his family legacy here at Nebraska as a defensive back. He'll start out at corner, um, but most likely I think will grow into a safety because he's just too big at 6'3", 190, and continuing to get bigger. Um, though it would be really interesting to see him and Braxton Clark as your opposite corner corners uh, with maybe Cam Taylor in the slot or, you know, mix and match that. Um, but th- that's a different discussion for, for another time. And then it was all kind of leading up to today in which everybody in the world, if you had asked me a week ago, which of these four projected commitments I actually felt best about, it would have been the one today um, with Wandale Robinson, the four-star athlete out of uh, Kentucky, Western Hills High School. Um, I would have thought that he was going to pick Nebraska. He started to get win last night. Um, that There was a last-minute meeting between him and uh, Kentucky 
um, in which he had really changed his mind and th- things were looking like they were going towards Kentucky's way. And so to your question originally of does this kind of stymie the uh, momentum that they had going, Nebraska did. No, um, this is a, a crappy ending to all of that. And Wandale would have been kind of the exclamation point on all of this. But I, don't, I think it's really easy. And I think this will happen that people will lose sight of um, what happened in the, with the three big commitments previous to this. But Nebraska still has a ton of momentum um, going forward. And they're still rolling along towards that Michigan State weekend, which is going to be just a massive recruiting weekend. Yeah, so a, a couple of points on that. Uh, Nebraska's recruiting class, I think by 247, was like 20th heading into the day or something like that, like 20, 21, 22, in that range. If they if they have a Robinson commit, does it go to like 16, 15? Um, I don't know. I don't, think the, I don't think it would have went that high. I think you probably would have been in the 18, 19 range. I, don't think, I honestly don't think it would have gone that high um, because then you're starting to get into the group – um, where teams have a, maybe have a five star, um, maybe have some more numbers on their side. Like I don't, I don't know that they would have gone that high. Okay. Um, team rankings. So, so I mean, obviously, like you know, we've had this conversation before. Like the more talent you can get in recruiting, the better off you are, right? Like yeah. you always want more talent, but like it's not changing. I mean, this is a top 25 recruiting class right now. Like, this is a really good recruiting class right now. And, like, his commitment is not changing much. They still have three running backs committed for this class. Dedrick Miles, Ramir uh, Johnson, and Ronald. Ramir Johnson or Ramir Thompson? Ramir Ramir Johnson and Ronald Tompkins. I get their names confused all the time. So those three backs. Yep. Like, like they've got pretty good. Uh, stable of running backs to move forward with, and that's before we start talking about Maurice Washington. Right. I mean, it's it's two, it's the number one running back in JUCO, uh, four star in Ronald Tompkins, and a three star with like blazing track speed and and Ramir Johnson. Like I, they're fine position um, when it comes to running back recruiting in this class. That is the one thing that I would definitely um, make sure people take note of is that it's it's not as if Nebraska is about to be scrambling for more running back recruits. They already have three in the class with a true freshman running back currently playing really well on the roster already. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Miles Jones, uh, who we talked a ton about in the offseason, haven't talked as much about, but seems kind of like a forgotten man right now. Uh, But, like, Maurice Washington is going to be the stud of this backfield for the foreseeable future, right? Yes, yes. So where does Nebraska go from here on the recruiting trail now? Yeah, I think you basically where Nebraska goes, and we talked about the three running backs that they have that I'll, I really like their upside, but basically Nebraska was viewing Wandale as more of a wide receiver anyway. He would have counted more towards that um, because he would have been really in that duck R role that they've talked about so much um, where you get to kind of play both wide receiver and running back, um, but a lot of wide receivers so they could get him on the field with other guys at the same time. So I think that they end up looking more towards the different wide receivers um, that they could possibly possibly bring in because you already have Jamie Nance, the three star out of Oklahoma. Um, you already have Darian Chase who we talked about earlier in the pod. Um, so then you're going to continue to look at other wide receiver names. So guys like Breon Fuller in Miami, um, four star athlete, Jalen Cropper, um, who's out in Clovis, California, the same hometown as Adrian Martinez, uh, coincidentally. Um, and so he's obviously really familiar with Adrian, um, three star wide receiver, Zay Flowers out of Fort Lauderdale in Florida. And then Isaiah Washington, a six, three wide receiver, 
receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida, are just a few of the names um, that I think Nebraska is still in on and still in a pretty good position on. So I look for them to really turn their focus to some different wide receivers versus running back. I think that they're done with, with pure running backs for this class and, and for good reason. So you made a point uh, that, you know, before we started recording this podcast, you made a point that you haven't seen a ton of Nebraska fan reaction that's like, oh my gosh, we just, you know, missed on a superstar talent. Like, we haven't seen a ton of that. I think it's really important to remember that, and the coaches have talked a little bit about this over this last week, like there's been a ton of recruiting questions for the coaches over the last week. Like, when this offense is rolling, and it's rolling a little bit now, but when it really gets rolling, they are not going to have a hard time recruiting offensive talent to play in this system. Like, you would like to have a guy like Wondell Robinson early, get him in now, and develop him. But at the same time, like, if this offense takes kind of the the year one to year two jump that the offense did at Central Florida, like, you're not going to have a tough time recruiting. Like, I, I think this is not one of those situations where it's like, oh, Nebraska had its sights set on one of the top kids in recruiting. They didn't get him just further uh, reinforcement that Nebraska can't recruit with the big dogs of college football. I don't think this symbols that. I just think that kid wanted to stay home, and uh, when Nebraska is not a two and six football team, I don't think they're going to have any issues with recruiting athletes and recruiting playmakers and difference makers to this offense. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. It's tough because I think this is one of those cases where two things can be true at the same time, right? I think that it can be true that Nebraska in the future will not have issues recruiting um, skilled position players like Robinson um, or even, you know, even a a notch or two below, you know, the talent level that he has. Um, But it also can be true that you don't want to lose out on a guy like this, right? Like I don't, I always hesitate to like minimize the impact of losing a guy um, like this too much because you're not going to just, you know, roll down the street and find another guy like Wondell Robinson, right? Like there's a reason why so many of us believe um, that he was a perfect fit for this offense. Um, And I'm not saying that you were doing that. I'm just saying just in general. But I am, but I do also believe that in general, it will be easier for Nebraska to to find other athletes to play running back and wide receiver in this offense than it will be for them to find, say, big-time offensive tackles like Bryce Benhart, right? Or to find big-time defensive ends like Ty Robinson, the four-star out of Arizona that they're heavily um, pursuing, who's visiting Oregon this week. He's already visited USC. He's visiting Nebraska for the Michigan State game. Like, he's a really important recruit um, because the drop-off to me between what they're able to recruit right now between a guy like a Benhart on the offensive line or Ty Robinson on the defensive line to the next tier of guys I think is way more significant than even the drop-off between, say, Wandale Robinson and a Jalen Cropper or Zay Flower. So I think you can make it work with those types of guys within this offense, especially when you're surrounding them um, with a guy like Adrian Martinez or Maurice Washington or J.D. Spielman. Um, It just works a little bit better for the offense to be able to find uh, more variations of guys. How, you've talked about this before. How big of a recruiting weekend is uh, the Michigan State game going to be? 
Um, it, it, it's going to be huge. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be a combination of a couple of things where Nebraska is going to bring in some of their top um, prospects that they're looking at. Like I mentioned, four-star defensive end Ty Robinson. Um, then you'll also have four-star outside linebacker Lloyd Summerall, who's scheduled to be here uh, from down in Florida. Um, he'll be a really important recruit for that game. Uh, the aforementioned Jay Fl- Zay Flowers, the wide receiver, will be here for that game. But then also Dedrick Mills is scheduled to be here. Um, and there's a handful of other guys um, that are scheduled to come in for that Michigan State game. Like you're really hoping for a 2:30 or a nighttime kickoff for that game um, because that could be that that could shape up to be their biggest weekend, and they've had a few big ones um, here over this season. We're gonna take a little break, and then we're gonna go to my conversation with uh, Colin Gay from the Lantern, sports editor, covers Ohio State Buckeye football. We're gonna talk to him a little bit about this game. Um, that's coming up between Nebraska and Ohio State. Get a little preview. And then, Greg, when we come back with you, we're going to get a score prediction from you. I like it. Joining us again, uh, he's becoming a friend of the show, Colin Gay, sports editor at The Lantern. Colin, thanks for coming back on the podcast. We've had you on a couple times, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, It's been a while, but it's good to be back. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had you on to talk about the spring game, didn't we? Uh, it was. It was over the summer. I think. Yeah, I think that was it. it a lot's happened since then, but yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot has happened. Um, we're obviously going to talk about uh, this Saturday's matchup a little bit later, but first, I want to get your thoughts. Um, probably one of the biggest college football storylines over the last two weeks was uh, Purdue. Beating Ohio State at home, that game that was broadcast on national television. Um, obviously, Tyler Trent was there uh, with ESPN, and so there was that. Uh, but then Purdue, I mean, 49-20, to 20, that's a pretty big loss. It wasn't like it was a close one at the end. Um, what did Purdue do in that game that caused Ohio State so many issues? Well, I think one of the main things that Purdue did was they looked at what Ohio State's weaknesses are and they exploited them to a T, especially in uh, the passing game. Uh, uh, David Blow, he, he just targeted uh, Rondale Moore in the middle in an area of weakness for Ohio State, especially in that second safety spot next to Jordan Fuller, and they just they gave Rondale Moore space, and they, and they ran, and he ran in open space. Um, you, they really could not uh, – they did not show before uh, the Purdue game that – they were able to stop a receiver like Rondale Moore, and that's what Purdue took advantage of. That was a big one uh, for Ohio State, not being able to stop him in the passing game. Uh, but also it was just, I think, momentum from those offensive plays and really Ohio State being creating a one-dimensional offensive output, especially with um, Haskins, who had a record-setting day for Ohio State. But really, without the running game uh, being that kind of go-to for Ohio State anymore for Urban Meyer, which he's been very, very comfortable with over his time at Ohio State and then even before that. that that's been huge, and that's really where Ohio State fans and really everybody saw that Ohio State, it doesn't matter how good Dwayne Haskins has been, if the offense is one-dimensional, it's going to struggle. Right. I want to talk about that running game in a second. Um, but first, obviously, I mean, that, that loss, obviously – to start things off. Then you've got a bye week. Uh, and then to begin this week, Urban Meyer reveals that he was dealing with a brain cyst. 
there was mm-hmm. questions about whether he's going to be coaching after the season. I mean, there's just there's a lot of distractions around this team right now. Uh, and then mm-hmm. they're entering a game where they're a 22-point favorite, but a lot of people feel like that's a little too high. I mean, what's the mood of the team right now? It seems like there's a lot going on. And there's been a lot going on this entire season for the Ohio State football program. And I think one of the things that Urban Meyer said, um, he, he brought uh, a group of reporters in, uh, gave them all of the uh, details about what's been going on uh, for him with his brain system, what he's been dealing with medically, and really – he said on uh, Tuesday, or on Wednesday, excuse me, that he brought it up so people can start focusing on the team. He wanted to be straightforward, but he wanted those questions to go away. Um, so he wants to change that focus back, but it has brought up issues of stability for uh, Urban Meyer and what his long-term kind of plan is for Ohio State. But really, when you ask players about it, when you ask uh, fellow coaches about it it's the same thing it's uh their coach has been their coach it's been um he's been the same ever since he's been back from that three game suspension he's he's kind of just been urban and there really hasn't been any senses of change i mean the only change in terms of i mean they they feel the pressure a little bit more it seems like especially after that purdue loss but really for him um there is a lot of attention on this team um especially with the news outside of football that has gone on um, and also the Purdue loss. Um, but really, they, they're not taking that. They're just they, – they, uh, the team views that everything that they want is in front of them still, um, even with the loss to Purdue, even with all of the outside um, noise or uh, storylines going on for, for this program. They, they see everything they want in terms of – a Big Ten title is still in front of them. They just have to um, just focus on that and not exactly what's going on with Myers Health or anything outside of the football program. Right. I mean, they, they could still go to a Big Ten championship. They could conceivably still go to a college football playoff game. So you're you're exactly right. And they've got the they've got the offense to do it. I mean, the fifth ranked mm-hmm. offense by S and P plus. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has been really really good. Uh, but 49th ranked defense. What's the issue on that side of the ball? It's there's been multiple. It, it, everybody likes to say it's the pass defense, and it is the pass defense. It is the secondary. There's different elements of the thing that people have been talking about is there's different elements of the pass defense that have been issues for Ohio State. Uh, the first one that comes to mind uh, is not having a consistent pass rush uh, from the defensive line, especially after uh, the loss of Nick Bosa, uh, who decided that he would not return to the program this season and focus on the NFL draft in April um really that uh, you saw it a little bit at the beginning of Purdue kind of getting a consistent pass rush against a pocket quarterback or a pass first quarterback um but really in the second half uh David Blow kind of got those quick passes out found those holes in the middle of the defense from linebackers playing coverage and also in the safeties up top um also I mean the other really main concept of why this pass defense has been struggling is kind of they're changing their identity or they're trying to find their identity in terms of a defense um they've been a press man team and it's really shown over these last uh this past couple or just this season that they really don't have as much talent comparatively to what they've had in years past in terms of playing press man defense i mean people have been asking Tabor johnson when we talk to him um why has uh 
Damon Arnett not been – I mean, Ohio State fans see Denzel Ward as kind of the kind of peak of what Ohio State cornerback should be. And really, excuse me, they, they don't have a guy who's at that level right now. And really, it's it's been showing teams are testing them. Indiana tested them a lot in that way um, on those 50-50 balls, some of which went through. That's that's the kind of recipe to beat this Ohio State defense is to beat them one-on-one deep in their press man coverage, but also to be quick and in the middle, um, get that quick passing game going and allowing receivers, quick receivers like a Rondale Moore, like possibly a J.D. Spielman to get into space and just run. That was going to be my next question. Was that I mean that seems like it seems like a tailor-made game for a guy like J.D. Spielman and a guy like Stanley Morgan. J.D. feels like. Rondell Moore-esque, and then Stanley Morgan obviously is one of those guys for Nebraska that they try to get in one-on-one matchups as often as possible just because of what he can do. I mean, what's the, I guess, what's the worry level right now with the pass defense having to go up against those two guys? Well, I think they know what they're dealing with uh, in terms of game planning for uh, Spielman and Morgan. I think specifically with Spielman, we talked to uh, Jordan Fuller the other day, and Jordan Fuller was the, was the, safety who actually had uh that was his assignment last year uh, against uh he was playing the nickel and guarding uh Spielman in the slot and really if I asked him what what's kind of the main point of advice you would give to say a Sean Wade or whoever's guarding him in the nickel and he said he likes space uh so don't give it to him so they've had a couple weeks to kind of figure out how these receivers run for Nebraska um, and it'll be interesting to see if they adjust because I'm not um, I'm not sure if uh, Adrian Martinez will kind of target either Spielman or Morgan with the with as much frequency as uh, blow targeted Rondale Moore but if they get a rhythm going that has to be a worry for Ohio State moving forward yeah I mean JD had 200 yards against Ohio State I think the the thing with Nebraska is they want to try, they're going to want to try to spread it around a little bit more so maybe that mm-hmm. I don't know that that'll be an interesting matchup to watch um let, let's move over to uh offense like I said Haskins has been awesome he's completing over 70 mm-hmm. percent of his passes they're second in completion rate they're fifth in marginal efficiency they're seventh in S&P plus don't get sacked a ton really good on passing downs really good on third downs why then, when you've got that much success as a as a passing game, why then is the running game having so many issues right now? Because they had they had a guy last year, uh, J.K. Dobbins, that led the Big Ten in yards per carry and in efficiency, and he hasn't been anywhere close to what he was last year. I think I think it's interesting that you bring up the the sack number because I think that has a lot to do with what Ohio State has struggled with actually it's been so they consider themselves even without JT Barrett at quarterback they still consider themselves a run pass option and we talked to Isaiah Prince the other day and he was talking about how as an offensive lineman guard or looking for an RPO offense with a guy at quarterback who cannot or really shouldn't run he's not a running quarterback like Barrett was um, they really don't know what to do and you have opposing defensive linemen stacking the box and trying to limit the amount of running that uh, that J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber can do, it's really been successful. And without knowing whether to run block or pass block up front, 
that's been a struggle for Ohio, for Ohio State getting consistent uh, running success for each of their backs, who have, as you said, they have they have a, they're very talented. Um, they're very talented statistically. They've had success in the past. It's just been trying to find that level of comfort in the running game when the passing game has been so successful. And I brought this up a little bit earlier, especially in the Purdue game. You saw record-breaking numbers from Dwayne Haskins, and really that's not going to get them to where they want to go. So they need to um, – Urban Meyer likes to say it's the 250-250 offense is what he's going for. Even though this quarterback is probably not going to make it 250-250, they're going to they're going to need an uptick in terms of production from the running game to get to where they want to go at the end of this thing. Yeah, I know coaches all the time like to say that if you know if your quarterback is dropping back 50 or 60 times in a game, you're not going to you're not going to win a ton. And I think what did yeah. Haskins finish with like 67 pass attempts against Purdue? I thought it was over 70. It might have been over 70. It, it was something crazy, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I mean that that was going to be like you're transitioning me perfectly. Uh, that was going to be my next question was missing JT Barrett because I think Nebraska went through a little bit of that last year when they went from Tommy Armstrong Jr. to Tanner Lee. Like it just it seems like going from a dual threat quarterback uh, that that can even when he's not running can still stress the defense because they know he can. Uh, so going from that to a a guy that's going to stay in the pocket more. Uh, it, it has a lot of stress on the offensive line because they don't really know what to do. And I think, you know, Nebraska felt that a ton last year. Uh, it sounds like, from what you're saying, that that's what Ohio State is just dealing with right now. Like JT Barrett, even when he wasn't running, it was still kind of in the back of the defense's minds that, okay, if he drops back to pass, we have to be aware that he can take off and pick up 10 yards. And that doesn't really seem to be the case with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that they're trying to do is kind of integrate the running backs into the passing game as well. And they're also counting these bubble screens, these short passes that JT Barrett did very, very well in his tenure at Ohio State. These uh, little screen passes to Paris Campbell or KJ Hill, they're counting that. I mean, it may not be coming up statistically as running yards or rushing yards, but um, that's what Ohio State is considering it. So they're considering those short yardage uh, plays as extensions of the running game, which they have at times this year found success in. It's just those downhill physical runners that Ohio State is used to having, the, the, the Zeke level, the Mike Weber level, like those physical guys where you can just hand off the ball and tell them to run through the middle of the offensive line and they're going to find space or make space with their body and they just really haven't had that this season. Yeah, and, and I, I'm making it sound like uh, Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins are scrubs right now. Like I think the two of them combined have like a thousand yards so far. Like they're they're good. They just haven't been kind of the level that they produced at last year, which is kind of shocking. Um, so the the spread this week for this game, Vegas puts it at around a three score game in favor of Ohio State. We'd have to come up with a new word to describe how the Buckeyes have controlled this series of late because dominant isn't really strong enough. There's that sixty-two to three game. There's a fifty-six to fourteen game. Yet. There's a ton of people in Husker Nation that think that Nebraska has a shot this weekend on the road, no less. Um, do you tend to agree with those people, or is angry Ohio State about to make this a not-so-fun Saturday for Nebraska? Well, if I heard correctly, I'm pretty sure um, Scott Frost is expecting an angry Ohio State, and that's actually what I'm expecting, too, in the first half. I'm, I'm expecting to see – I mean, we're saying every single week that this running game – has an opportunity to get going. And if 
Ohio State's going to find success. I mean, yes, Haskins is going to be an important part of it, but I think the running game is going to need to show a little bit of life. Um, and But I'm expecting, I mean, the main word that I've heard several times from interviewing players because they've been asked about Purdue. They've been asked about responding from Purdue, getting that bye week after this loss. I mean, they're pissed, and that's what they're saying over and over. And I think that's what they want to show when they come out onto the field on Saturday afternoon is to show how mad they are and to show, I mean, they have an expectation. They were expected to be one of the best teams in the nation, and they want to get in that conversation once again, and that's what they're going to try and prove, especially early on in this one on Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, the first probably two or three drives are going to say a lot about how Saturday is going to go. Um, he Frost did say that he's that they should be expecting an angry Ohio State team. I think that's he, I think he, he said they're going to play with their hair on fire was the phrasing that he used. Yeah. Um, what does Nebraska have to do to win this game? Is it is it get the ball to JD Spielman and turn this into a shootout and try to outscore Ohio State or I mean what is a, an area that Nebraska can take advantage of? I mean what do they have to do to win? I think that's a that's a perfect. Uh, that's a perfect way to do it, and I think that's what Ron Dane did. That's what I mean, and then that's what the Purdue running game did as well. And to see if, if Nebraska can find its space in the middle, kind of take advantage of a lack of a pass rush or a rush defense that Ohio State has had up front, and it showed against Purdue. Um, they need to find consistency somewhere, and if Adrian Martinez can use that with his legs or through the air, um, that'll be important for Nebraska moving forward. Um, Defensively, I don't. Uh, I think it's going to be continuing to stop that running game. It's continuing to load the box. It's continuing to stop Dobbins and Weber because, I mean, Haskins is going to beat any defense through the air, and I think he's shown that consistently. But it's creating that, making Ohio State one-dimensional is going to be huge. And if Nebraska is able to do that, it, it could be a ball game on Saturday. Interesting. What's your score prediction for the game? I actually, I, I think Ohio State's going to um, come out and play with their hair on fire, like Scott Frost said. I have Ohio State uh, defeating Nebraska 49-14. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a spread. That would not be fun back here. I, I had it at a 17-point Ohio State win, so that's a that's a spread. Yep. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, that's uh, a big one. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what to say after that, so we will... Uh, We'll let you get out of here. Thanks for thanks for joining the podcast again. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, everybody, make sure you follow Colin Gay uh, on Twitter. I will link to his Twitter account in the description uh, on site on the video. Colin Gay, sports editor at The Lantern. Colin, have a good one, man, and we'll see you Saturday. Absolutely. Thanks. Okay, Greg, turning back to you. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, this game this weekend. What are your expectations heading in? Obviously, the spread was three touchdowns uh, in favor of Ohio State. Vegas thinks that it's not going to be a close game. People expect Ohio State to be an angry football team. Um, Nebraska has obviously had its fair share of issues on the defensive side of the ball. What are you expecting from the Huskers on Saturday in Columbus? I, this, I'm, I'm so confused. Like, this game, to me, is the most conflicted I've been about a Nebraska game this season. Like, I felt like I knew, like, going back to, like, so this one get, keeps getting talked about a lot, with, like, 
in relation to like that Michigan game, right? Like it came up um, again with Scott Frost where he said that he didn't think that enough of his guys believed they could go up to Ann Arbor and get the win um, and that they, they have more of that now. I, I just, I, that's one of those things that I have to see to believe. Like, and so I, I just, I hesitate to think that, I, I definitely hesitate to think that Nebraska can win the game, but I even hesitate to say that they're going to keep it close. Um, even though I don't know what I'm getting from Ohio State, I still don't feel like I know what I'm getting from Nebraska um, in a tough road environment in this game. Like, I, I'm just so conflicted on, on which way to go on this one. Yeah, and there's not a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot of, proof out there to to give you confidence picking nebraska staying close obviously you know they held a lead they were up big on northwestern in the fourth quarter well not big it was a 14 point game in the fourth quarter but they were they were up on the road um but northwestern is a much different football team than michigan or ohio state and right. that michigan game i mean they got they got the doors blown off early and i think both of us are expecting ohio state to come with either the same intensity or more intensity to begin this this game on Saturday just because of the fact that you know they've had two weeks of you guys lost to Purdue you guys aren't the same football team they've had two weeks of hearing all about you know this is not a great pass defense this is not a great rushing team like Urban Meyer has historically had at Ohio State this they have issues here here and here and then here's where Nebraska can exploit them I think Nebraska has a chance to do some some interesting things and some things similar to what Purdue did. Uh, Purdue took advantage of Ohio State with Rondo Moore. And Nebraska has a guy like Rondo Moore and J.D. Spielman, who, oh, by the way, had 200 receiving yards against them last year. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a game that Ohio State, ex- like, it was two wide receivers for Nebraska that could hurt you. It was J.D. and it was Stanley Morgan. And Ohio State let J.D. just run wild. Uh, so, you know, even if they're, prepared for him and scheming to stop him like there's a very real likelihood that they could jd spillman could still get loose and make some plays and then on top of that they have they have more offensive talent this season than they had last season and it's not even close nebraska i'm talking about nebraska i think nebraska has a chance to put points on ohio state but i'm, I'm kind of right there with you like i don't know from a consistency standpoint like we've seen it for the last three weeks nebraska's getting there but they've also played Minnesota and Bethune-Cookman over the last two weeks. So I don't know how that translates against an elite defense in the Big Ten, um, especially on the road. Like, can they be consistent enough to keep this thing close into the fourth quarter? I think they've got a chance to. Like, I think this could be like a 10-point game in the fourth quarter that, you know, Ohio State scores a touchdown on a, on a drive that Nebraska needs a stop, and they bump it to 17, and that's how the game ends with a 17-point margin. That's about where I would put it. What are you thinking score-wise? So that would be so where so where you are would be would mean that they came out and kind of had a respectable showing, right? So then that yes. you come out of the game feeling like, okay, they really have made improvements, um, and they're able to kind of hang in there um, with tough competition, like. And that's where I have, like, I guess it's weird because I feel like on one hand, I completely agree with you that in theory, Nebraska should be able to move the ball and put some points on Ohio State. Um, but it worries me still, even though their Ohio State's defensive line is underperformed. I still want to see Nebraska's offensive line perform like they have in the month of October against what could be elite talent on the other side of them. Like we haven't seen that yet, so that really does worry me, and it worries me that Adrian Martinez could be harassed all day. Um, so when we're looking score wise on this one, I feel like I'm outside of the box for most people on this, but I've got it somewhere. Like I'm gonna go like. 
55-21 Ohio State. Man, that's a big score. Uh, Colin had it at 49-14 Ohio State. I think I've got it at 45-28. to 28. Okay. I think that's where I've got Ohio State, obviously. Um, I know Brandon Vogel, our editor, thinks that if Nebraska's going to win, it's going to have to be kind of they're going to have to have a great defensive showing. I'm kind of on the other side in that I think if Nebraska is in it and has a chance to win, it's because they've turned it into a shootout uh, and they're they're matching Ohio State point for point, or they're at least attempting to. Do you think that, because Scott said this Thursday, he said they're not going to win too many games in the Big Ten 10-3. to Like they're going to have to to put up points to have a chance in these Big Ten games. Do you do you think that their best bet this weekend is by just trying to outscore Ohio State? Or do you think that this def- you can realistically ask this defense to get four or five stops on this Ohio State offense? No, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Nebraska would have to score probably 35 points. If Nebraska gets the 35 points and can create a couple of turnovers, that's how they have their shot. Like it, it, it needs to look like Adrian Martinez has looked the, the last few weeks, um, the way that JD and Stanley have looked where they both, you know, are, are either over a hundred yards or flirting with it. Like also Devino Zigbo continues his, his big time production. Like I think it has to look like that uh, for Nebraska to, to be able to stand a chance in this game. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I think Devine is going to have a 100-yard day regardless of result just because I think Ohio State's run defense isn't, hasn't been great. Um, I think that would but, be a great sign. Like, I actually, and I should have started with that versus Adrian and the receivers because if Devine Zigbo, say he goes for a buck 50 and two touchdowns in this game, and that's the only thing you see in the box score after the game. You didn't see the score. You would think that Nebraska had a chance, I think, if he can if he can do something like that. Yeah, and even then, like even if they wouldn't, even if they didn't win that game, even if they lost that game by seventeen or twenty points, if they didn't cover the spread, if he goes for one hundred and fifty and two touchdowns against uh, against that Ohio State defense, like you're feeling pretty good, not just about Divine because he's obviously leaving after this year, but you're you're feeling pretty good about Nebraska's ability as a whole, as an offense, to move the football against a team that hasn't really been able to move the football against on the ground, right? Right, and and it tells you too that the improvements in this offensive line is real. Right, I think it gives you another shot of confidence in Greg Austin and what he's going to be able to do here over the long haul. Yeah, it shows me that my column that I wrote on Monday wasn't premature. <laughs> That's good. I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> There's a chance that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg, uh, you will be you will not be in Columbus this weekend. Where are you watching the game from? Uh, I'll probably be at home. <laughs> probably just you know hang out in the basement with my dog. Oh, that sounds awesome, actually. It it does sound lovely, actually. <laughs> it sounds better than being up at like six o'clock in the morning to go fly to Columbus, uh, which is what some of us will be doing uh, Friday morning. We will have plenty of coverage on HailVarsity.com from Columbus, Ohio. Greg obviously is going to have recruiting stuff throughout the week. Big Grid Recon's getting posted on Friday. There's plenty of stuff to read about. Basketball begins with an exhibition Thursday night. Women's basketball has their exhibition on Saturday. Uh, women's soccer plays a Big Ten tournament semifinal game on Friday. Uh, I think volleyball is in action this weekend, but we'll have plenty of coverage on HailVarsity.com. Follow HailVarsity on Instagram for stuff from Columbus. Uh, obviously, HailVarsity on Twitter and then uh, Facebook. We will have Facebook Live of all of the post-game press conference stuff and all the people talking. So just uh, keep it with Hail Varsity. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter for all of his fun Lakers takes. 
<laughs> Craig, it was fun, buddy. Thanks for coming on the podcast again this week. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right, and we will talk to you guys next week. There it is. <laughs>